Hey, Shmoney team. Uh, am I doing this right, Shmoney team? Yeah, Angela, you're, you're doing great. Are we agreed that yeah, it's Shmoney team? It's but you gotta do team. it in a different voice. You gotta be like Shmoney. Um, hello, Shmoney team. <laughs> you're not seeing me rub my fingers. You have to. Um, welcome to the to the last. Oh, welcome to the last of our limited series, Colorful Lives, presented by our friends at State Farm. I feel like this won't be our last, but it's the last episode of the season. <sighs> I know it just makes me sad. Um, since this is our last episode of the season. We want to make sure we pack in as much financial advice as we can into this one. Because after this, Shmani team, you're on your own. You're no, on your own and you got to keep winning. <laughs> you got to keep winning. Um, that's why we've got not one, but two interviews with amazing guests this time around. But first, it's time for our accountability check-in. Angela. Yes. Uh, yeah, girl went for a run today. 1.5 miles. That's amazing because that's not easy. It, uh, trust me. Not, first of all, when I haven't been working out, 1.5 miles is like deadly for me. So I know I had to stop for a while when I did that detox and then I started again. And I always have to like work my way up to get over I know, but I was doing the thing that you told me about. It's like walk and yeah. run, walk and run, walk and run. Which is actually probably better for you than just running, jogging the whole thing. Yeah, especially like after surgery. This is what, like eight weeks after surgery so I can finally get back into the groove of things. So you feel but good. I, yeah, so I was doing that. I was like walking. I was running a very little and then walking a lot. And then today, I was like, I think I can just keep running. Mm -hmm. And then I could. Uh, so now I have a lot of energy, but also I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this for another year. Woo. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, how's your uh, accountability stuff working um, out? Well, I've been doing a lot. So I had wanted to step up my podcast that I do with the girls, and I have done that. I actually have videographers coming in now. Yeah. We've been filming our episodes and putting them out like that, which has really helped me step it up. So we've gotten a lot of different offers to do it now. I, I think just having the visual aspect of it has been really helpful for me. Um, so there's that. I've also been trying to delegate a lot more responsibility instead of trying to take everything on myself, which has always been a big issue for me. So I haven't been doing too good at saying no to things because I find myself, it'll be like, okay, this week I'm going to keep it clear because I have things I need to work on personally. And then next thing you know, every single day I have something booked and it's been really hectic for me. I don't know how to say no still. So that's definitely one of my major issues. Um, but I did have a meeting with a book publisher that yes. went really well. So I'm supposed to be handing in my first three chapters and I've actually worked on it already. So I finished the first chapter. So I'm going to finish the next two. And who knows? Um, I know. It's going to be awesome. Well, you've inspired me because of, you know, you doing your books and everything. And I'm like, okay, I got to get on board because Amina is leaving me in the dust. So I actually <laughs> I actually do feel very inspired by you. And it makes me say, okay, you know, I got to make sure I step it up too. Oh, man, you're making me blush. I no, because I don't deserve to hang out with you until That's I not true. achieve some we, of these goals. We deserve each other. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, um, look out for a book announcement for me in the next coming See? couple of weeks. <laughs> Yes, uh, I love that, it. Like, I feel good about that. That's uh, definitely in the hopper. Um, I also uh, I also set up a couple meetings with, uh, you know, my, my little Hollywood agents. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I'm, like, doing some general meetings about TV, on-camera stuff, which was, like, a goal oh, that, that I had way goal. early in the year. So, you know, I don't know where it's going to go, honestly, but I just feel good that I'm, like, I've done the work. I've done the work to be here, and I'm meeting people and talking to them, and it's front of mind. Can I? Um, I just put it out there now. Can I be a guest on the show when you 100%. have One hundred percent. Okay, um, you guys heard it here. So if she reneges on that, on the Aminatu so experience, you're <laughs> definitely going to be a guest all the time. Okay. And yeah, you know it's weird. It's only what like where a quarter of the year is done. It doesn't feel like a lot, but it also feels like a lot. And it I does. feel. And I feel that you and I have really pushed each other to do a lot early on in the year. Because I'm a, I usually don't shine until Q3 or Q4. Because no, I don't. You can't try to cram it in like, the last quarter. <laughs> exactly. But that's usually how I am. And this year I'm like, oh, actually, this feels good because I've done a lot of the heavy lifting up front. And then now summer is going to be great. And the rest of the year is going to be great. And this summer we're going to go jogging in the park together. I can't wait. Um, and we're going to go. <laughs> that didn't sound believable. <laughs> Listen, listen, it is believable. I can't, I can't wait. I can't believe I did it today. It, like, it's, it's kind of awesome. blowing my mind. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to become a runner, but Who I am going to run. Why, how do you know? Um, I know because I like to watch TV too much. It just takes out of my own personal time. You can maybe watch TV while you run. Okay, that's fair. Executive time. <laughs> that's we what go. we can call it. <laughs> um, but, you know, on the real, it's been really fun being accountability buddies. And I love that we're going to continue doing it off the show also. Right. It's not just a show. It's yeah. a life. 
it is a lifestyle and you know it's just it's good to be motivated by people that you like I think that if anybody who's listening to the show you can find that for yourself like somebody who motivates you who's rooting for you mm -hmm. and also just like puts you on to game um, we're all gonna go so much further if we do that and have some spa dates as well that's right that's, that's the right. best place to get uh, decisions made and <laughs> encourage each other and right. be accountable you know but the other thing that I've learned from you like doing the show that's been great is that Telling people what you're working on or what you need help with, asking for help, there's actually no shame in that. Because yeah. every time that I've come into this room, into the studio and said, oh, I need help on this or, or that, or I'm going on a trip and I'm trying to figure this out, you always have advice. I was like, oh, like these are the kinds of friends that you need to have. But also, I know that for me, asking for help is something that I'm so bad at. Mm -hmm. I am so, 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 so bad at it. Your friends really want to help you. Like if yeah. you ask me for help or anything, or I know if I ask you for help and it's something that you can do, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. And it feels so good when it works out. Like if It you, does. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, you uh, your dreams won't come true unless you say them out loud. So you got to say out loud what it is you want to achieve. And then somebody on your team will like help you get there. On the Shmoney team. On the Shmoney team. <laughs> so this is our last accountability check-in for the season. Yes, but not in real life because in real life we'll be accountability. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tweet you. We're, we're accountabodies <laughs> gonna, for life hold now. Hold on. I'm going to set my thing. Once a week, I'm going to tweet you and be like, so what have you accomplished? What have you accomplished this Hashtag week? Hashtag <laughs> accountability check-in. <laughs> um, and we hope that everybody listening will also keep up with their accountability goals that you had for the year. Um, we're, it's not the end of the year. There's so much more to go and there's so much more that we can do together. Mm-hmm. Like we told you before, this time we doubled up on guests to give you twice the advice. First up, we're talking to Tanya Rapley, a.k.a. My Fab Finance. If you've been watching our Colorful Lives video series, you've already seen a little bit about her financial coaching business. She's a millennial money expert who in 2014 was deemed the new face of wealth building by Black Enterprise Magazine. Tanya's mission is to help millennials break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck so they can become financially free and do more of what they love. Amen. She is the creator of Hashtag Banish the Balance Challenge, a debt elimination challenge that helped over 4,000 participants pay off more than $200,000 of debt in 60 days. Here's Tanya Rapley in her own words. Hi, Tanya. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, Tanya. It's Angela and Amina. Hey. Hello. Hi, Angela. It's good to hear you. I'm glad we're doing this. I'm excited. Okay, so you ready? I am ready. Um, Tanya, will you tell us about your financial journey and how you became a financial educator? Yeah, sure. Uh, I became a financial educator out of necessity. And also because I was looking around, and I felt like I didn't see people who looked like me talking about money. There was like, you know, there was Susie Orman. There were people who um, weren't necessarily millennials talking about money, but I was like, I'm a millennial. I have millennial money issues. I have student loans. There aren't any jobs. Like who's talking to us about money. So I felt like I had to fix my own finances. And in that I was like, well, I can create this resource to help other millennials who are having trouble understanding these financial concepts or understanding how to navigate. And so that's how my fat finance is born. And Tanya, aside from that, you also have talked about financial abuse in the past and what that is. That's a concept that some people don't quite fully grasp. Can you explain that? Yeah, a lot. Of, you know, it's crazy because some people are in financially abusive relationships and they don't even realize they are. And it can look differently in so many different ways. Like it can be someone taking advantage of your money so that um, they're basically like you're the one working in like in my situation, I was the only one working and supporting our household while my um, boyfriend at the time was pursuing his dreams, training, do whatever he wanted to do. And there's a point where it's like I'm down for the cause, but there's a point where it's exploitative, exploitative. And he was exploiting me in our situation. I didn't have enough money to do what I needed to do to make sure I was financially secure. And there was also an abusive angle and a physical abuse angle in that relationship. Mm -hmm. But also it's like people preventing you from pursuing growth in your career or growth in your education, whether it's sabotaging your ability to go to class or, or causing you to lose your job because they're disruptive at your place of employment or preventing you from going to work and preventing you from earning your own income so that you can stand on your own two feet without them. So it does, I, I wanna say they say financial abuse is present in 90% of abusive relationships. But it doesn't have to be in an abusive relationship. 
And it doesn't have to be in an intimate partner relationship. Like your sister or your brother can financially abuse you. They're taking advantage of your ability to earn income um, and exploiting that and exercising power over you. I'm glad that you speak on that and you're so open about it because there's a lot of people that have gone through situations and didn't even realize what type of situation they were in. I, I didn't know I was in that situation. If you want me to be honest, I was like, wait a minute. Like when it came time for me to leave that relationship, like I had been paying all the bills for seven months. Um, I was also in school at the time and I was the only one working full time. And when it came time for me to leave, I had nothing. Like I could not, I just have my car. I didn't even have money to put in my car when I realized I have to get out this relationship. And I ended up calling a family member and they're like, look, we'll get you out of it. We'll get you home. But a lot of times people stay in these relationships because they don't have support of other people or people have abandoned them because that's the critical element of abuse is beginning to isolate you from the people who care about you most. And so you don't have the basic resources such as money to exercise your power and your voice and get out of that relationship. I love, too, that you talked about at the top of the the our chat about millennial money problems specifically because I feel like there are a lot of misconceptions around millennial money management and the things that actually matter to us, like student loans. Like parents never understand student loans because they borrowed $7 and now they're all lawyers. <laughs> um, you know, but like we're borrowing 100K to be beekeepers. It's a different situation. Um, what do you think are like some of these like really big misconceptions around millennial money management and things that are really unique to our situation? You know, they don't realize, and I think that I'm very careful about selling college as the ultimate answer, because I think for our generation, we were kind of sold college as the answer. And for a lot of people, when the recession hit, they're like, oh, just go back to school and get another skill or like get your master's degree or whatever. And you still graduate and the jobs aren't fairly compensating you for that degree you pursued. And I don't think that enough people from previous generations understand that college is actually a requirement for a lot of jobs now, but those jobs aren't paying the way they should be paying for you to be able to effectively pay back your student loans. So that's one that most millennials aren't in debt because they're irresponsible. Most, a lot of millennials are in debt because they've been sold that the co- college is the way to success, but a lot of people didn't have the money to pay for college. Um, another thing is that millennials don't care about their finances. Are they out here eating avocado toast? Like that? <laughs> I don't own a house because of all the avocado toast I eat. <laughs> Like, people are not broke because of avocado toast. Like, that's not it. <laughs> I am very care- careful and cautious of being like, well, you know, if you were drinking coffee, you'd be wealthy. It's like, no, there are systematic constraints that are put in place to hold people back. And, like, mm. we have to it entirely. Like, there are things you can do to be more financially responsible. And wasting money is wasting money. But there's also a conversation that's needed around, but we're not paying them enough for them to even get ahead. Like, and that I think a lot of people don't understand that millennials aren't struggling or aren't having issues with money because they are bad with money necessarily. It's because a lot of our wages are stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the thought that we don't care about our financial future. I can I will turn over my community, which is overwhelmingly millennials, to show people that no millennials care about money. They're trying to figure it out. They care, um, and we want financial materials and communication that's authentic to us and understands us and isn't talking down to us like we're crazy. Tanya, how did you find your niche and know this is what you wanted to do? Oh, you know, I was talking to someone today and I'm not, I'm not necessarily passionate about finance. Like I have a bachelor's degree in public administration and a master's in urban studies. But what I am passionate about is helping people live lives that they love and live and have the experiences they want to experience. And money is one of the most critical tools in doing that. Sure, you can do it without money. It gets a little tricky. You can do it without money, but by having your own money, it allows you to own your power. So I'm there. I'm so I've been doing it since I graduated from college in 2007. Even since I was in college in Miami, I've been helping people kind of own their narratives and like figure out a way to live the lives that they desire. So that's what I'm most passionate about. And money, I just realized that what's holding a lot of people back is money. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to help people get their money together so they don't have an excuse not to live a the life they want. Oh my God. Just hearing you tell me like, can you coach me? Can you teach me? Just like, can I give you the keys to my bank account? She makes me feel like I can do anything. I know. I just, I feel, I just feel really affirmed from like hearing that they're, you know, it's like the economy cratered. There are larger forces 
that are responsible for the way that we manage our money, right? Or even the amount of money that we have. But so like, what kind of financial education do you offer? Is there a place that people can go to get coached by you, to get videos? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so I don't do one-on-one financial coaching anymore because I just had to be real with myself. It's it, That's an incredible responsibility of taking, um, taking someone on as a one-on-one Tanya, client. fix my life. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. All, if you look at my DMs, I'm like, good. But I do create uh, a lot of courses and masterclasses on my fat finance, and we tackle different topics. Like last month, we touched on how to effectively buy a car. Um, and what to look out for when you're on the lot. We've talked about buying a home and buying your first real estate investment property. So we do create these monthly masterclasses that are $27 and affordable. Because I want it to be affordable, but I want people to also have skin in the game. Because um, we don't respect free for the most part. So they are affordable. And uh, they just cover a variety of topics. And I find that that's the easiest way for me to help as many people as possible. I love that. Um, now, tell us about what a coaching session is like for you. When we sit down, well, when we when we talk to you, tell us about what a coaching session is like. It's like therapy. It really is. And a lot <laughs> of people realize how tied in their financial decisions are to their life as a whole or like to their childhood. Like a lot of people are like, dang, I do do that as a result mm-hmm. of me when I was five. And so a lot of times we're uncovering those money stories. We always start out with kind of getting down to the heart of your relationship with money and why you created certain habits and certain beliefs. And then from there we look at, okay, so where have those habits and beliefs brought you to? And let's flush this out. Let's look at your, let's, let's look at where we are today. Like we'll go through their bank account, but through their, um, their expenses for the past two months, like what have they been spending money on? What does this say? What does this say about you? What does this say? Identifying their spending triggers, but then we'll also carve out what their goals are and based on where they are, what they need to do to accomplish those goals. So we set goals. And then I like to set goals in those sessions because it helps. It's something to measure your actions against. So I always say, like, when you spend money, ask yourself, is this contributing to one of my goals or taking away from my Mm. goals? Doing what I said I wanted to do with this money or am I not? And that helps people, like, in the moment, check themselves so they can make better financial decisions that help them arrive at their goal earlier. That's great because you said therapy. And I think about how finances are so tied into anxiety and certain issues that we might be having just about our lives and our current situations. And a lot of that is stress over money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and some of it is just like, you know, a lot of people, we see these commercials or we see people on Instagram, they're talking about they did this, they did that. And people feel like they're behind. Right. And some of it's reaffirming, like, actually, you're not as bad off as you thought you were. It's just like social media is tricking you to thinking you're not doing enough, but actually you're okay. So some of that is reaffirming that people are on the right track and they just need a few minor tweaks to get where they want to be. Right. And it also, it's never late to start, right? It's like, you're never, you don't reach a point where you're like, I can't do anything about this or you can't rein it in. I love like all of the stuff that you talk about um, with spending triggers and how you can avoid them. Can you explain that to the audience? Yeah. We all have spending triggers. Like Mm -hmm. even as a financial educator, I have spending triggers. I'm going to the Philippines next week and I bought things. Like, and that happens. (laughs) You got to. (laughs) But um, we have to understand what our triggers are. Um, For some of us, that is um, life transitions, whether that's starting a new job or being laid off from a job. So it could be spinning out of excitement or it could be spinning out of depression. For others, it is seeing something on their social media feed and immediately getting that feeling that I'm not doing enough or I'm not worthy enough. So we try to buy for acceptance. Um, For other people, it's just like, you know, I don't have time. Like, some uh, inconvenience is a spending trigger. If you don't have time to prepare meals or prepare dinner and so forth, that triggers you to go out instead of looking in your fa- your cabinet and pantry and putting the meal together. Like, you know what? I'll just pick something up. But over the weeks, like that does tend to add up rather than using the groceries that you've already paid for to create a meal. So it, it's just something that causes you or triggers you to spend money. I know that like one of my favorite stores is a discount store. I won't name it. But like that aisle, like the checkout aisle, you got to wind around the checkout aisle. It's like <laughs> a planner. Stop. Ooh, headphones. Like it's all this other right. stuff. Those triggers too. And that store was designed to get you to spend against your best intentions. So there are so many spending triggers around us. And when we're aware of them, 
we can combat them easier. Yeah, you know, and even going back to how it's therapy, I only realized this year that I'm an emotional spender. When I get upset, I have to buy something. Oh, listen, I knew I was an emotional and, spender. You know, and then and it's like when, <laughs> when I, I'm happy, I have to buy something. Ooh, when I'm upset, I have to no, buy something. No, for me, it's like when I'm upset, I just like buy, 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 and it never fills the void. And you just like really realize you're like, oh, actually, like I don't need any of this stuff, but I need to be in touch with like what all of that emotion is stemming from. And for a lot of us, it is childhood or it's like the way that you were raised. I was like, oh, my parents were like this. Like they like bought things to make themselves feel better. And I that's where I learned that. I was going to say, and I encourage people to ask themselves, like, well, we know that buying this thing did not satisfy that void. When have you ever felt like you were able to satisfy that void? And usually it's like, you know, I went outside on a walk or I went for a drive or I went and did this or I picked up the phone and called, you know, my best friend or something like that. It's like, okay, so next time you find yourself in that place, do those things instead of spending money, which is going to put you probably in that negative spiral because then you're going to feel guilty about spending money. You're going to be down on yourself for spending that money. You are talking to me. Um, can you tell us also about your Banish the Balance challenge? Yeah, definitely. So that was a debt elimination challenge that I created because I just felt like we get too comfortable living with debt. A lot of times that we feel like I can properly manage it, then it's okay. But it's like, what happens if you lose your job or what happens if a paycheck you know, isn't deposited when you thought it would be deposited or something of that nature? So the Banish the Balance Challenge was designed to help people eliminate debt. It was a free challenge. We helped um, nearly 5,000 people pay off a quarter million dollars worth of debt in 60 wow. days. Amazing. Yeah, and it's still going on. So now it's a self-guided e-course. And I just had a woman email me two weeks ago, and she signed up for it. And she's like, this is the first time that I've paid off more than, like, $600 worth of debt. And she had paid off, I think, $1,000 worth of debt within a month of taking the course. So it really just puts people in the mindset of like, look, this is how we prioritize your debt. Because debt can feel overwhelming. Sometimes you look at your debt mountain and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to turn around. Right. And <laughs> that used to be me. I'm not even going to open these bills because I know I can't pay them. I give up. <laughs> and so it really does help people understand this is how you can structure it to get a better understanding of it. And these are the options for paying it off. Choose what option works best for you and let's try this out. And right. a lot of people, it, it, it's, it's been so successful because I, I'm someone who's a real person who was in debt. Like I don't come to this from, oh, I had X, Y, Z years of financial experience. I had to figure it out. Right. And I, it, it comes from that approach to help other people figure it out, but easier and um, in a way that they're supportive. Another really helpful thing you posted about was planning a budget-friendly destination wedding. Tell us about what you did, what you learned, and how you saved. Yes, my wedding. So a lot of people didn't realize that a destination wedding was actually more affordable than a stateside wedding. Mm -hmm. When me and my husband started to plan our stateside wedding, um, it was totaling like over $25,000. And that's just not what I wanted to spend for one day. Um, some people, they're comfortable with that. I was not as a financial educator. Like I still got to buy a property. <laughs> so we ended up doing a um, destination wedding. And after we paid for like everything, I'd include our flight, that included food for all of our guests and everything. It was $13,000 that we were able to pay for that in cash. And um, like stateside weddings, oftentimes, like I was not about to pay for people who I have not heard from in like years. And when a lot of times what happens is your family starts to invite people and everybody else wants other people at your wedding that you might not even know. And so with a destination wedding, it was like, if you really want to be there, you'll be there. So we had <laughs> there. And we had a blast because we had about 60 people there. We kind of just took over the resort. And it was like every time we turned a corner, it was one of our friends. Um, and we just had this party the entire weekend, essentially. Um, but in order to, we did give ourselves a year to pay for it. So if you look at that, we paid $13,000, that's a thousand dollars a month, um, paying for it. And so it was, it, it was the most cost effective thing for us. Um, and we didn't go into debt to get married. And like, we look back on our wedding with joy instead of like, oh my God, we're still paying this wedding loan that we took out, which I strongly advise against anybody taking out a wedding loan because those are a real thing now. Ooh, but uh, this is this is a this is a hard tip because now everybody's going to be having destination weddings and I'm going to have to pay to go to all of them. So, <laughs> but it's a vacation as long as you plan Ooh. in advance because you also have some tips for us as well about expenses when you're traveling and everything and budgeting for a trip, right? And things that people don't think about. Yeah, when you're planning and traveling abroad, um, a lot of times it is just about finding the best deal. 
So there are apps that you can use that will help you identify when the best time is to buy a ticket. But then I also use Twitter alerts for these accounts that aggregate flight deals. There's one called the flight deal and I'll have those tweets sent to my phone so that when I, I know that when there's a good deal to a certain destination that I'm interested in going to. And then I always, you know, price match. A lot of times you might not be able to stay at the resort that the wedding is at or something else, but usually there's one that's nearby. So look for the different options in that manner um, and shop around. Uh, as far as planning for a trip, like don't forget the additional cost of traveling abroad such as certain countries require you to have certain immunizations, certain countries require you to have visas uh, and other things like that. So you do want to make sure you're putting that into your trip budget because those last minute costs can really catch you, um, catch you off guard. The, you know, the other thing too that you're, that's like underlying that we're talking about here is accountability. Like I just love that all of these things that you talked about have built in accountability mechanisms and Angela and I are accountability buddies for yes. each other this year. <laughs> so it's been really cool. You're part of something called the Triumph Club. And so um, how does that work? The Triumph Club was a Facebook community that I created to, uh, to let other people who were on the goal to financial freedom know they were supported. So sometimes like you two are lucky to be each other's accountability partners, but sometimes we're the only person in our circle who's like, you know what? I want to get my life together. And people are like, you know what, girl, good for you. Don't worry. We're, so we're joining as well. <laughs> oh, I'm like literally logging onto Facebook right now. <laughs> so I created the Triumph Club and a lot of people go in there and share their wins because here's another thing about doing what you said you would do in pursuing your goals. Everybody's not going to be happy for you, especially people who are miserable and not um, hitting their own goals. And so it's, I created a place where people can ask questions and I'm not the only person answering questions. Other people are answering the questions and I feel like they're a little too far off base. I'll come and be like, actually, this is what it is. But for the most part, people know what they're talking about. And we celebrate each other's wins. And I think that's just as important. When you have people to celebrate your wins with you, it encourages you, encourages you to achieve more and continue to pushing for, push forward. So it is just this fantastic community. Uh, it's diverse. You know, we have women of all colors, all walks of life, all income levels in there really supporting each other and answering each other's questions and help. And sometimes someone will talk someone off the ledge. Like we had some <laughs> I really want to buy that iPhone X. It was like, girl, mm, how are you looking on your debt payoff plan, though? That's, that's I not know. And plus, the new one's about to come out. You, you do know, not always. have iPhone Malcolm X type of money right now. So it's... Man, that, that, they will get you. But you know, it's like, it's also the thrill of winning, you know, where it's like you pay off a little bit and then incrementally something happens that I, it almost gives you endorphin rush. So you just want to keep becoming better at it. <laughs> That's not, one of the things that I'm, um, I was reading, I read a lot of finance books still. And one of the books they were saying, like, you know, become as happy and get as much satisfaction from saving money and hitting your financial goals as you do with bringing like a new, a new bag home or new shoes or a new purchase home. Because yeah. once you learn mm. to become happy and excited about doing the right thing with your money, it encourages you to do more of the right things. With your money. That's exactly how I felt when I bought my first house and I had to make a lot of sacrifices, you know, yes. it's for the greater good. <laughs> When I bought my first house, yes, yes. yes. When I bought my like first house, one of one of many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I have you know four right now, but three of them are in Detroit. So listen, I'm into I'm into it. I'm moving into one of them. Yeah, and I mean, like that's how I felt when I fixed my credit. You know, and that's something that happened because. Uh, another black woman that I knew like showed me the ropes where I was like, oh, I can actually, there are things that I can do to fix this and there's mm -hmm. not shame and you can be proactive and we should be giving each other information about the stuff. And I fixed my credit by myself too. And speaking of which, let's talk about tax time because it's about that time. I already filed my taxes, January tax oh club, gosh. January tax club. I didn't because I'm still getting those forms in the mail. People are sending them out late. In the <laughs> I'm the only freelancer that gets money back. <laughs> Good for you. Well, well, Tanya, what advice do you have for listeners who find themselves getting really overwhelmed around tax time? Uh, you know, taxes don't have to be as difficult. If you own a business, it does become more, more challenging. Yep. Like tax, I don't have the same enthusiasm for tax time as I did when I was a traditionally employed individual just because I'm like, mm, am I going to have to pay um, this time around? Or, But what I would say is you don't need someone to file your taxes for you. There are so many things available out there as far as software to make it easy for you to file your own taxes and free. And that's more money that could be in your pocket. All you need to do is make sure that you have all of your documents that you receive 
from um, in the mail. We all got our tax documents and just have those accessible. And you, it really is just like plug and play. You just plug in numbers, answer questions and keep it moving. But if you do feel like you can't file your own taxes, um, there are free tax services available. I used to work at a nonprofit when I lived in Brooklyn and we offered free tax prep. So you could do an easy Google search to find out like where tax assistance in your area. So say you live in Jacksonville, Florida, tax assistance in Jacksonville, Florida or free tax prep Jacksonville. Cause there's a lot of clinics and people willing to help you file your taxes that aren't even based on your income. So if you feel overwhelmed, there is help out there, but I like you can, I was filing my own and I, I preface this by saying I'm someone who struggled with math growing up. I failed math my first year in college, but I was filing my own taxes when I was in college. Like it's, it's really easier than a lot of people assume. Right. It's not challenging. If you have the right software. You can yeah, figure it out. It's a lot easier. But you know that also you can, um, you're like, because I run my own business, which you do too, is that you you get a deduction for paying for somebody to do your taxes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, and that for me, I hire people to do my taxes because for one, I'm not trying to end up in jail. Right. And that's right. <laughs> that's the, I'm afraid of IRS jail more than anything in this world. That's not a good look for me. Like my career is done if I go to jail without money. <laughs> And it's just because I want to make sure that I'm not leaving any stones unturned and I'm not yeah. leaving any deductions I could possibly be getting yep. um, out there. So I do work with someone who's versed in getting people money back who own businesses or helping them maximize. And there is something to be said about working with someone if you have specific goals. So right. if you're an entrepreneur and you know you want to buy a house, your goal this year might not be to um, get as many um, deductions as possible because you need to chart as much income as possible so that when you go to get approved, you have more income. And it's important to work with someone who understands tax planning so they can help you file your taxes in that manner so you can achieve your overall financial goals and not just get a large um, check back or minimize the money that you're spending. What do you think, like, what's the best advice that you can give somebody who is getting um, money back from their taxes? Like, what should they do with the windfall? Tell them to call me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Make sure you're doing something with that money that will help you grow that money, whether that's investing and a course that you wanted to take something or starting like your side business, getting your affairs in order, you know, like incorporating your business or whatever that may be, putting that some of that money aside into a retirement account. There's so many apps available where you can learn to start investing money on your own or visiting a financial advisor. Like I started my first um, in- investment account with money from my tax returns. I, that was the largest lump sum that I had ever gotten. And I took it to a financial advisor and went ahead and put it in a fund. And that money is still working for me to this day. And so make sure that you, I'm not saying don't reward yourself or don't buy something that you wanted, but don't spend all that money. Use some of that money so that you can actually grow it. All right. Now, um, Tanya, can you just leave us? I mean, you gave us so much great information today and I always love talking to you, my fab finance. Can you leave us with a money affirmation before you go? Yes, yes, yes. I'm so big on affirmations. Um, My favorite one is my actions create constant prosperity. And that's just Mm -hmm. existing and knowing that no matter what I do, I'm positioning myself to create money and create opportunities for myself. And as long as you can create money and create opportunities, you'll always be okay. I love that. Um, I think you should bring back one-on-one coaching just for me. So I'll be in touch. (laughs) (laughs) We won't tell anyone. We won't tell anyone. I need the help. I need need the help. I need the help. I want to get to maximum prosperity. You're going to show me the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do love one-on-one coaching, but just the way my schedule has has grown, I, I just realized I was doing a disservice to people because I just couldn't keep up with keep up with their demands but every now and again i will do like a one-on-one strategy session where people who are self-motivated just helping them kind of figure out what they need to do and helping them lay their their groundwork and then they go about that plan and i don't have a problem doing that well but here's the here's the other thing that you did actually that i think is a very hot entrepreneur tip for anybody who's listening is that you scaled your business you can only you know if you're doing one-on-one sessions with people there's only so many that you can do but if you're making master classes that people can listen to you've opened up a whole nother market opportunity for yourself and you don't have to be holding the hand of like one person for one hour every day 
Yes, and we don't create businesses to become prisoners to our business. And that's what was happening is that I was becoming a prisoner to my business and couldn't do what I said I wanted to do, which is enjoy more of my life and enjoy more freedom. So I definitely had to make that decision. I think a lot of business owners reach that crossroad where it's like, do I keep serving in this capacity or do I figure out what makes sense for myself and my family? Work, that's work, okay. smart, work smarter, not harder. All right, that's perfect. True. Well, there goes your one-on-one, Amina. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be in touch. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of this. It's so affirming to talk to somebody who is like is really candid and honest about money, and you know, been like, through a lot of the same things we've all, been through. We're all trying to get free together, so I'm really excited yeah. about this. Thank y'all for having me. It's always a pleasure, Angela. You know, it's always a pleasure. All right, yeah. I hope I see you soon. Yes, yes. And Amina, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. So wonderful. That's right. One-on-one coaching. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Tanya. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Colorful Lives presented by State Farm to help you increase your financial IQ and to bring your career, business, and life to the next level. Every other week, we're getting together and offering up advice and inspiration to help you up your financial IQ with our new season of Colorful Lives. If you're liking what you're hearing, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, and it makes a huge difference in helping more people find out about the show. And if you really want to support the show, we're not asking for any handouts. We just ask that you put a friend on to your favorite episode. So don't forget, you can get into the conversation on social media just use the hashtag hashtag live colorful with two l's at the end of colorful hey y'all next up we're going to talk to marcus garrett and rich jones of the paychecks and balances podcast and blog on their show they leverage their experiences to provide entertaining insights and helpful tips on money management professional growth and other topics relevant to 20 and 30 somethings trying to get ahead marcus wrote the book debt free or die trying oh that's morbid (laughs) i know i'm like some of us are definitely gonna die Um, uh, Marcus, can you tell us a little bit more about your story? How did you manage to rack up 30K in debt? That was my debt, too, by the way, $30,000 when I had my serious, serious debt. So that's a magic number. All right. Well, I'll see if I can top you. I mean, the short abbreviated story, and I wrote one for very very smart brothers, was I got $26,000 $26,000 in debt in one weekend. So I don't know if you could beat that. You feel free to. In do one that. weekend? <laughs> what, what was going on? Who are you, a professional <laughs> football player? What happened? Well, I mean, in my head, I thought I was going to make football player money, but I was in college. I was like 21 years old. And at the time, I had like $9,000 in credit card debt. And I applied for, I didn't even know what it was at the time, but at the time, I applied for a consolidation loan and they sent me a check. I thought they would just pay off the credit card. So they sent me this check for, I believe it was like uh, $15,000 or something to that Party effect. Time. Yeah, that's exactly what went through my mind. Like, you know, me and the missus got the check and it was like, it was ball out season. So <laughs> we, we went out there, we, we bought a lot of liquors, you know. And so next thing I know, I bought a car with rims. I'm out there making it rain. Everybody's getting bottles. There's bottles on me because in my head, I thought I was going to make that football player money. So I'm right. like, this is nothing. And, and then it took seven years to pay off that uh, 72 wow. hour. What yeah, a crazy what the, weekend. Hopefully you and the missus <laughs> ended up together after that, at least. Uh, she left shortly after the money ran out. Oh, so did some man, of the friends. Oh, man. But, you know, <laughs> it, it bees that way sometimes. You know, well, that's learned, a good lesson right there. <laughs> well, how did you work your way out of it? Uh, well, first of all, you got to charge it to the game. So I know some people are hearing that and they're probably upset on my behalf. But I actually feel that, and my dad actually told me this, I'm glad that painful mistake happened early on in life so that I could spend these next few years learning about it. So I didn't know it at the time, but I was ultimately writing the book, Debt Free or Die Trying. And I basically took like a four-step approach, which I describe in the book, and that's defining the problem so you can pull, you can pull your credit report for free. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of this at the time. So let me be clear that this was all like lessons learned, trials and tribulations, but your annual credit report is available for free each year. You're legally entitled to it, setting a reasonable goal. And people gravely underestimate this. People always ask me even to this day, like, what did you do different? And there's a mentality change. I didn't like wake up and make more money. I didn't suddenly just stumble into a way to get out of debt. It just became important to me. Uh, what I, The story I tell in the book is I hit rock bottom. I was on a phone call at this point Three years later, actually, after the the, the the notorious weekend, and I was 
essentially begging a collector to give me a new consolidation loan because I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was actually living beyond paycheck to paycheck. And it had gotten so bad by that point, I didn't even know how I was going to cover the minimum payments. And that was such a heartbreaking uh, experience. They're sitting on that call, waiting for someone in a call center to basically grant me um, a lifeline because I didn't even know how I was going to make the payments the next month. And I told myself that I would never be in that position again. Um, I used to bank rate and I actually still like bank rate debt mm-hmm. calculators to put a plan together. They'll yes. tell you exactly how much you need to pay each month and you can print it out. Um, oh, well I print it out cause I'm old as you know, <laughs> a dinosaur in internet years. You could probably save it to a PDF or something that nowadays or download it to an app. But, um, I would say set a reasonable goal, change your mindset, adjust the goal, but never the plan. So it's called debt free or die trying, not debt free until inconvenient. Mm-hmm. And it took you <laughs> seven years for that $30,000. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I could have done it quicker. Uh, let me be clear because, you know, I, I kept adjusting the goal. I didn't just, mm-hmm. I, I tell people that they give me a lot more credit than I deserve, but it's not like I just said, Oh, here's a plan and I'm going to stick to this for the next four years. I probably <laughs> could have got out of debt in four years. Uh, but you have to make in-game adjustments as I call it. And, you know, life will come up, different things will come at you. Life right. will come fast and you just have to be uh, be able to adjust to those different goals. Marcus, can I ask you a question? Did you also save money, like say for retirement at the same time? Because I know a lot of times people are in debt and they're trying to pay off that debt, but then they feel like, well, I can't save money toward retirement or anything like that because I have to pay off this debt. I did, but it wasn't by choice. So I actually worked for a company um, that still had a pension fund at that time. So I had to save 9%. So essentially, I was living off 91% of my income while going through this journey. That's come up a few times. I actually, I think you can do both. And I even suggest that you do both. Um, Can you tell us more about your thoughts on lifestyle inflation? (laughs) Uh, yes, I can. So something that we talk about on the show all the time, and we actually have a number of guests that come on and talk about this as well, is actually lifestyle deflation. So <laughs> I, we we did a show, and I wasn't even paying attention. So at this point, I was out of debt, or I think I might have been closer to getting out of debt. And, and so life was good. So I've, I've gotten a few raises over the years. Uh, another thing, despite being so irresponsible with my money, I've actually been very responsible on the career side of things. So they kind of fortunately, in my experience, balance things out. But, you know, I'm feeling myself, you know, I got a new girlfriend now. Rich has noticed a pattern over the years. Like, <laughs> my lifestyle gravely inflates whenever there's a, a, a beautiful woman, don't get me wrong, involved in my life. Uh, so, I, you know, we got a bigger room. We, we got this guest room that a guest never showed up. So we're paying like $300 more a month for this alleged guest that never arrived. Uh, we're eating out more. Uh, we got, I didn't have cable for five years, so that mm-hmm. saved me like $12,000. I did the uh, estimate on wow. that. It's, two, it's $200 a month and I wasn't spending that for five years. I just canceled my cable. And then I, you go so long without it. It's, it's almost more painful to get it back. You make me so want to like, cancel my cable. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I today you really now, don't, you don't really need it. Yeah, I, I still don't have cable. <laughs> right, you really don't. Uh, I'm the only person yeah. in America that pays for cable. I pay Tell for cable. Tell me about it. I feel awful. <laughs> but you know, I'm going to give you a little, I don't know, is, I don't think this is illegal, but I have a two-family house, so with me and my tenant, who's my friend, we just actually act like it's one house and we split the cable. So we did it that way. So I only pay half of it. Can you split cable with your whole block? Like that I don't think be... so. I think it has to be the same house. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the old school remedy. Uh, but I, what I tell people is take whatever you're paying, cable being one, it's just an easy one that people can relate to. So you pay cable uh, 12 times a year. Most people don't think of it that way. They're just like, well, I pay cable once a month. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, technically you pay it 12 times a year. So multiply it by 12 because that's how much it's costing you each year. If you drink coffee five times a week, multiply it by three, or, well, yeah, 365, not just that five week. Well, I just drink it on Monday. I'm like, no, you drink it Tuesday through Thursday, Friday as well. Mm-hmm. But what it all boils down to is when I totaled all those up, I had increased my lifestyle 8,000 a year. Woo. And I'm like, this could be money back in my pocket. And it's really just simple changes that I had made as far as lifestyle inflation. So I said, what if I did the opposite of that? So I got, uh, in that case, I got a roommate, as you talked about. I started eating out less, just tried to eat out um, less. I'm not talking about cutting eating out. I just literally just tried Mm -hmm. to do it. Okay, I'm going to take food to work twice a week. That saved me about uh, $1,200 a year. Cut out the cables I talked about. And those things that they they work the exact way, the opposite, but some people don't think of it that way. They so just, you cook well, at I'll home now, you're saying? 
yeah, I got these little bento boxes. They were like twelve ninety nine. Actually, shout out to the missus. She put me up on that game. So but yeah, I try to do my thing. All right. Now, um, you have a post on your site about how it's possible to save up a million dollars before retirement. So can you give us the Cliff's Notes version of that? Yeah, uh, it actually came up from a listener question. And uh, I mean, a lot of times they were thinking that it's impossible and it's not. (laughs) Uh, The best advice that I could give is actually to start as young as possible. So a lot of these things that I did, although they were uh, screw ups, I think that's the word I could use. I think that's PC enough. Mm -hmm. I still I still did them in my early 20s. So if you start at age 20, you save eight dollars a day. And by age 67, so that's 250 a month. I don't like to start with the months because people are like, I can't come up with 250 a month. And I'm like, well, can you come up with $8 a day? <laughs> if they were able to do that uh, at a 10% return, that would be $2.6 million. At a 7% return, which is very reasonable and is actually less than the historical average, that's $1 million. Y'all almost have 100 episodes of the podcast. What are some other things that you've learned over time? I think one of the big things has been the importance of consistency, you know, because we do the podcast and we're also entrepreneurs. We also got day jobs and, and just, to, just you'll probably see this over the years. A lot of people start stuff and then they fall off. I know blogging used to be the thing. People would mm-hmm. start thinking they're going to make in a ton of money, fall off after they realize they're not getting sponsors coming in the door. And it's been the same thing with podcasting where it's exploded, but you see people start and then, you know, a few episodes later, and right. next thing you know, they're, they're not, they're not updating their podcast feed any, anymore. And for us, like the importance of of consistency mm-hmm. and doing this for it's it's going on five years podcasting for us, and uh, a lot of people don't know that this is actually our second podcast, and it took us, you know, two three years just to get a good rhythm, and now with this show, this is the one that is really starting to uh, take off for us, and so that's one of those things where not just with the podcast side of things, but in life, if you're not consistent over the long haul it's going to be really, really challenging for you to achieve whatever type of goal it is. Unless, you know, you meet Oprah or someone and they put you on and next thing you know, you're wealthy. But that's Hello. that's not what happens for the average person. You know, <laughs> it's, you, you got to, even with getting out of debt or finding a new job, whatever it is, it's something that you got to, commit to and make sure that you're focusing on it and thinking about it every single day. Yeah, people ask me all the time about starting a podcast and the thing I tell them they have to do is even if you feel like I don't have any listeners right now, nobody's checking for it, you do have to be consistent because that's how your fan base will grow. So you might go from 20 listeners to 100 listeners and then the word spreads, but you do have to make sure that you commit to, okay, I'm putting it out on this day, whether it's once a month, every two weeks, once a week, you have to really commit to making sure that you do it. Yeah. 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 And the other thing I would say is that I've I've just learned that like it's okay to not be an expert because we're talking mm-hmm. about personal finance and career advice. We want to create something that's 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 fun, relatable. And there's a lot of stuff that we don't know, you right. know. And one of the things that I think people really like about the podcast is that we'll admit that and where people write us and ask us questions and we don't have an answer, we'll bring on a guest to 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 talk about that. And so I think a lot of people struggle with getting started sometimes, particularly in like the online business space, because they don't feel that they have the level of expertise. But the thing is, nobody else has your individual experience. Right. You know? So if you have a story to tell, if you have something you're interested in, if you have something that that you watch week to week, you probably know more about that one thing than a lot of other people. You know, and that's whether it's podcasting or anything else. So people often think about other ways to make money. And it's like, yo, you probably have a skill or something that you could teach people or something that you can do better than a lot of other people, but you just don't think of it as important or you don't think of it as something that you're qualified to talk about because you don't got a bunch of certifications after your name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. One of the big themes on our show is accountability. And y'all show also lends itself really greatly to accountability because there's two of you. (laughs) So Angela and I have been accountability buddies all year. But like, do y'all have strategies like to make sure that you're following through on your goals? Is that something that you discuss with each other and that you really push each other on like behind the scenes and, you know, like on the podcast? Yeah, I mean, it's something we talked about yesterday, you know, where we were <laughs> looking at each of our individual responsibilities and trying to figure out how to align this so we're both doing the stuff that we're most effective at and we're both doing the stuff that, that we enjoy. And then we also take advantage of a, of a lot of Google Docs uh, to, to make sure that we've got everything organized in central places. And honestly, we just say, yo, where are you on this? Where are you on that? And we just go back and forth that way. I mean, we're, we're talking pretty much every day throughout the day. Uh, about, you know, of course, what's happening on social media, but also all the stuff that we need to get done to really make paychecks and balances a viable business for the long term. All right. Now, another thing that we talk about 
<laughs> me and Amina love this travel tips. Okay, now we talk a lot about that. What are some of your favorite travel tips? Because you know it's about that time for everybody to be picking up and taking a little vacay. But we don't want to spend a lot of money doing that. So I'm gonna go ahead and plug episode 75 on that one. But <laughs> episode 75. Of... Episode 75. <laughs> uh, paychecks and balances. That's right. Uh, but I'll be saying. Um, one of my favorite tips lately, and I'm trying to get better about this because I don't want to, um, you know, uh, arise the old demons. But if you do it correctly, you can use a lot of credit card points. There's a lot of credit cards that you can use to take advantage of. I think most people actually I know most people are scared of credit cards and they have this fearful reality. And that's true. I mean, similar if if you know you don't have the responsibility to set it up to automatically pay off each month, then don't. I'm not encouraging you to do that. But if you've gotten to a good place or you've never owned a credit card, there are definitely a lot of benefits you can take advantage of. One of them, which is travel costs. And we had a guest on talked about when they use their travel card, they actually get companion flights for free, which mm. I didn't even know existed. I, I get so, that. Trust me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, these are I, I, those are benefits that you can take advantage of that you might not know exist. Another thing that I've been recommending to people and someone told me when I moved to Denver, I relocated, didn't know anybody, basically went with the clothes on my back and my flat screen TV because it was the love of my life at the time. And I say to use a visitor bureau because it's free, it's cheap, and they have all kinds of what I call staycation ideas. So there's mm. things that go on in your local city that, honestly, most people don't even know about and aren't checking for. I and love a staycation. Like, yeah, there's a lot of free apps and everything out there. I think most people think travel, they're like, well, I got to get my passport stamp so I can show off on the Twitter. And I'm like, not really. There's <laughs> a lot of other cheap, free, available, or uh, wallet-friendly options out there that you can take advantage of. Yeah, you know what I always do? First of all, I always use, um, whenever I book things, I use one of the um, travel site apps. And then I also use my, reg so I get points from that. So a lot of times I get free hotel stays because my points add up. And then I get to use them and I get free nights in the hotel. And then I also get points because of my um, frequent flyer miles. Mm -hmm. So between that, like there's so many vacations that I've taken at least once a year where my flight is paid for because of all my points that I have. And then I also get a free hotel room. So it's like going on a free vacation. Yeah. And another piece of that, we just shared an article uh, recently, um, rental cars, a lot of rental cars. My, my, the cheapest rental car I usually find is through one of my credit cards. I don't know if I need to be name dropping right here, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I can log in through their site. It's, it's consistently the cheapest. So there's a lot of benefits to your credit cards that you might not even be accessing. People got to be careful trying to get those points though, man. Cause I know for years when I had a, a rewards card, mm -hmm. I would put just like everything on there, but That's I wasn't I responsible. <laughs> yeah. But see, see, but the thing is, I wasn't responsible about paying that balance in full every month. Yeah. Then, See, I pay mine in full every single month. Same. That's why I only will charge stuff to my credit card to get the points when I know I have the money to pay for it. That's how that's how I live. And I also pay for it right after. So, like, if I book a trip and I charge it on my card instead of using my debit card, I'll put it on my credit card and then pay for it the next day. That's what I do. I pay my credit card multiple times a month. Me too. I'm just moving money from debit to credit all the time, and that's how I stay accountable with myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Rich. I, it's it's definitely something that you have to be careful with. And yeah. that's why I say you put the personal and personal finance. But I, I automate everything. That's why I'm like, it's funny to me when people are like, oh, you're so responsible with this and that. I'm like, I'm responsible up to the second of the month. The 28th, <laughs> you know, the, the third through the 28th. I just do whatever I want with the money that's left over. It's available. Now, what is the 10 pages a day challenge? Uh, that was actually a guest recommendation um, that we had on. It came from two uh, guests. So it was episode 26, Behind the Brilliant. Sorry, I'd like to name drop. And give uh, please, yes. So Make it easier for that us. Was, that was Lisa Nicole Bell. And uh, number two was actually The Billionaire Mindset with Tyrone Jackson. And he said, if you want to hide information, put it in a book. I said, huh, all right, well, let me go see what information is hiding out there in these personal finance books. And what Lisa recommended is most books are about 300 pages. So just basic math. If you can find 10 pages, five, 10 minutes a day to read 10 pages, you can read a uh, most great books a month. And so uh, I didn't really believe her. And then I read four books in the next two months. And that was like four more books than I'd read in the last four years. Oh, wow. And yeah. And then I started this challenge. It's now available at paychecksandbalances.com slash books, where you can read my review of the top 15 personal finance books. I'm trying to do that through 2018. I'm about halfway through the list. Oh, I love that. One of the other things that's great about y'all show is that, uh, Marcus, you admit to being a spender. And uh, 
I think that pe- it's so hard sometimes for people to be transparent about what's going on, you know, with their money and what they're doing. But since you know that about yourself, how are you managing to save? And why do you believe that it makes sense to pay bills early in the month? Well, I think that's easy because that conversation actually happened when Rich approached me about the second podcast. And he was like, hey, we're going to do a podcast and then we're just going to focus on personal finance. I'm like, no one's going to listen to that. And it actually <laughs> <laughs> it, that podcast was more popular by like what the third month, Rich, than we were two years into the previous podcast. where we yeah, just talked great. about everything. Wow. And I think that is because this is a topic that folks are interested in. But that being said, a piece of that component is being honest. And so Mm -hmm. I think like introverts and extroverts, there's two basic personality types, and that is spenders and savers. And usually just because life is funny, if you're a spender, you're going to marry a saver. If you're a saver, you're going to marry a spender. That's just the reality of it. Which one am I? I think I'm a spender. (laughs) Definitely a spender. I don't think me and my boyfriend are compatible because he's a spender as well. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, okay. well, I do have some, I do have some solutions for that. Then all hope is not lost. And like I said, I automate everything. So mm-hmm. I don't even give myself the option to have non-discretionary money available to me to about the second through fifth of the month. So rent all. So there's actually three expenses that account for 70 percent of mm-hmm. your expenses. And that's uh home or mortgage, so rent or whatever you want to do, uh, transportation and food. Those three expenses are 60 to 70% of people's expenses. Uh, And food is somewhat discretionary, as I talked about. So anything that I can, I automate payments for through the second of the month. About I think by the third, the only thing that's left over is my cell phone bill. And that's because it's on an auto schedule and it's later in the month. Uh And I say that because people want to learn this one skill or this great awakening and like this, you know, proverb that's going to awaken their mind and and have this existential crisis that leads to them being financially responsible. And to your point earlier, as far as fees, I actually just use the bank uh, auto payments through my my bank. So Mm -hmm. I don't like to sign up for those auto payments that they offer through the the billing company because they always make it really easy to sign up and then to get out of the the auto pay. You got to like send the DNA of your firstborn child. Oh my God. That was like trying to cancel my gym membership. like you have to Yo. come in. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, why do I have to go? It was so easy for me to sign up for the monthly payments. And now I have to come in person and give some whole explanation of why I can't come to this gym anymore. <laughs> I was like, I moved. I don't know. How is- <laughs> That's what I call the blood in, blood out system. They make it real easy to get in, real difficult to get out. You never had your account get overdrawn, though, because I know sometimes that's a fear of doing the automatic payments. Like sometimes we don't estimate like, oh man, all these bills are coming out at one time and you might have a slow month. And then next thing you know, your account is overdrawn. Well, I still do it manually. So I I literally log in on the second and set up all my payments. I'm not going to overdraft my own account. And that's why I don't honestly like going through the billing company because you're right, especially for people with you know flexible or variable income. I might not know what I'm going to make next month. And so I know on the second I'll log in and I also get paid monthly. Rich knows this now. So I do know everything I'm going to have for that month. And then everything else is just variable income anyway. Uh, but if you do have um, something that I use, it's just easy for folks to get is like cosmetology or Barbara, where you have this variable income, then yes, I would automate those payments based on the month amount of money that you have for that week or that you know that you will have in your account. But the reason I I encourage people not to wait until the bill comes up is because if the bill is on the 21st and you've got 20 days to find something to do with that money, you will find it or someone will find it for you. I know that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Marcus, Rich, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Please let our listeners know where they can find out more about your show and you. Yeah, so they can check out uh, everything podcast and blog related at paychecksandbalances.com. Also on Twitter and Instagram at paybalances. And my individual Twitter account is at I am Rich Jones. And I'm available at the Marcus Garrett one T on Twitter because I ran out of characters and two T's everywhere else. (laughs) I wish my website could be I am rich. Just that. Man, (laughs) I wish that was my life. Uh, I know. Well, you know what? Teamwork makes the dream work. So we'll get there eventually. We're doing better. We're doing better. (laughs) Definitely. Have a good day, y'all. Thanks so much. That's about it for this week. But before we go, one thing we wanted to talk about is the importance of the planning and protecting of your assets for the future. We all know how unpredictable life can be, which is why you must expect the unexpected and prepare for the worst. 
Don't overlook the importance of various insurance products, liability and business insurance, renter's insurance, life insurance, and disability insurance. If you built a business or sole proprietorship, you want to make sure that you have the appropriate amount of coverage. Trust me. As we're coming to an end, I want to know what do you think the most valuable thing you learned over the course of the show was? And what is one piece of advice that you want to leave the audience with? One of the main things that I learned is trying to negotiate because I'm not good at negotiating. I'm the type of person who if I owe money or anything, I just pay for it. I'm not good at negotiating things. So I think that's something that I have to get better at. And not just when it comes to negotiating as far as credit, but also negotiating in general in life. I'm usually the type of person, if you give me an offer, I'll take it. And so I think that has to be something that I deal with, not just with offers, but also with credit. And I'm helping my mom get her credit together. And one thing that I want to make sure I do is negotiate those balances that she owes instead of paying all the, I don't want to say how much it is because she'll kill me. But anyway, instead of paying that crazy heavy balance. And what's one piece of advice that you want to leave the audience with? I want to say make sure that no matter what it is that you do, get some benefits out of it. And now, and to make sure that you also, those there's two things. I would say no matter what you do, whether you're traveling and there's all kinds of benefits on these credit cards and even your debit card from your bank, take advantage of all those things. Use coupons. Like I use coupons nonstop. I'm always trying to get a good deal. And I think that's an important thing to do. And another thing that I would say is don't hide from the debt that you have. One thing that I had always done that was really stressful for me was not open up my bills. And it's just so important to be able to face the challenges that you have to get rid of some of that stress that you have. And you'd be surprised, like I said earlier, you know, I've never been good at negotiating, but just even being able to contact your uh, creditors and let them know, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I can do. And working out a payment plan is so much more important for your own mental well-being. What about you? I mean, what would you say is one of the main things that you learned from our colorful lives? Wow. I've, I've learned a lot, honestly. And I think that one of the main takeaways for me from this show is that everybody has money drama. Mm-hmm. You know, that you can look at anybody that you, you know, it's like anybody who is popping or who is not popping, like money is an anxiety for a lot of people. And so you shouldn't feel that you're alone in your problems. I think the other thing, too, that we, we've we been really good about talking about is how a lot of these money problems are actually structural issues, you know, so it's not like. Oh, like you're sure like I was not raised with a lot of financial information and also I didn't get it. But there are larger forces at at play here about why, Mm -hmm. you know, like our money is not straight, especially for like young black millennials. And so that was something that weirdly I took a lot of comfort in. I was like, yeah, like the economy is messed up. Like this is why we have all the student loan debt. We have all these things. And then. You know, on top of that, we don't have generational wealth building. We don't. It's like my eyes have been a little more open to that. It's not just that I buy a $5 coffee every day. That's why I'm poor. Uh, And that's why this podcast was so important for us to do, because there's information that we're learning. There's information that we know that people in general don't have. And we want to make sure you have access to those same things as we're trying to gain that same access as well. And here's the thing, right? Like. I didn't know anything about personal finance, but over these six episodes, I'm like, oh, actually, everybody is an expert in their own personal finances. Like, this is not hard knowledge to gain. You don't need a college degree or a certification or whatever. You also shouldn't be paying somebody to fix your money problems. You can actually do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it is your responsibility. And also that, like, financial, uh, you know, financial planning and management, it's not about necessarily about getting rich. It's about learning to learn how to live within your own means and how to thrive and be happy with what you have, right? Right. So much stress comes from money issues. Exactly. And, you know, and it affects your relationships. Like, you know, we talked about that and dating and all these things. And I was like, wow, if only we were all more open about it. One piece of advice that I really want to leave the audience with is it's the exact same that you said. It's like, don't be afraid to confront it Mm -hmm. because I was the exact same person. Like I have a, I used to have like a stack of bills. You know, you can tell from the envelope (laughs) if it's good news or bad news. Right. (laughs) 
And I didn't the get into this yet. college. And I'm like, the, yeah. It's and very thin. It's very thin, you know? But like, you know how bills be looking? There's that window on the envelope right. and everything. And I was like, I was not looking at my bills and I didn't know. And I had so It'd much It'd be like shame. final notice. Exactly. And I had so much shame about it, you know? Like, it was just causing me stress. I was ashamed to talk to my friends about it. I was ashamed to even look at it. And then the day that I sat down and I looked at it, I was like, oh, actually, I like... I had debt, but it was not an unsurmountable amount of debt. It's like when I think about it now, I'm like, oh, that was not like, you know, like the number was big, but it was actually not that scary. And also you can't start doing anything about it until you've identified what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just confront it and realize that everybody else is doing it and having the accountability built in and being more transparent about talking to your friends about it and to your family I guarantee you that that will open a dialogue where you'll find out it's like look at all the guests that we had right like they were all kind of in the same boat and then either they googled it and they found out for themselves or they started talking to their friends about it and then it was like oh I'm also going through this let's do this so you know like let's all get free together because it's not it's not easy and there's no shame there's no shame in having money problems and you know life is long and weird and your situation can change and it will mm-hmm. change but it will not change if you don't start somewhere and listen we are very open about mistakes that we've made I know I've had terrible credit in the past I've fortunately cleaned things up for myself and managed to do things that in my wildest dreams when I was younger I never thought I would be able to accomplish mm-hmm. you know even just owning my house uh, my brownstone in Brooklyn having three properties in Detroit and opening a juice bar. It's a lot of things that I was not raised to believe I could do these things. And I couldn't even convince myself that I could, but I took that leap of faith and I cleaned up my credit and, you know, figured out how to save money and made sacrifices. And that's how I managed to get to where I am today. And if I can do it, and believe me, I know everyone says this, but believe me, if I can do it, anyone can do it. (laughs) I I feel the exact same way. If I can do it, you can do it. And, you know, also... If you feel that you've started to figure it out, start looking around your friends and start giving them the tools to help them too. Like you're, you know, I think that like you got to pass on the knowledge that you have and that's the way that we're going to make it better for everyone. And go back, listen to the show, listen to all the guests that we've gotten. You know, this season we talked to Gabby Dunn, Ty and Talat McNeely. We talked to Amina Daniels, Melissa Butler, Tanya Rapley, those amazing guys from Paychecks and Balances. And, you know, it's just, they like they know what they're doing. So listen to them and trust them. You can find our video series at statefarm.com slash live colorful. That's two L's. Well, that's also all the time we've got for this season. Thank you to our friends at State Farm. They made all of this possible. So while we might feel like this was a podcast that we were doing, it was also a great learning experience for both of us. So most of all... Thank you, State Farm. And most of all, most importantly, most, most, most importantly, thank you to everybody who listened, everyone who subscribed, everybody who watched our videos or left a comment using hashtag LiveColorful. And if you know by now, you know it's two L's at the end of Colorful. And until next time, don't forget to embrace your most colorful life. See you very soon, Shmani team. Colorful Lives, presented by State Farm, is a loudspeaker studio production. Colorful Lives is produced by Matt Raz, executive producer Chris Morrow. Our engineer and editor is Dwayne Crawford. For more information on Colorful Lives and other loudspeaker shows, follow at LSN Podcast on Twitter or Loudspeakers Network on Facebook and Instagram. 